Hi, it's Josh here. I'm one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church in Southern California. If there were microphones when Jesus walked the earth, he could have mic dropped after almost every time he spoke. In this series called Mic Drop, we will look at topics that impact our daily lives and the mic drop worthy words that Jesus uses to teach us how to live. So we're talking about purpose, and we're on a series called Mic Drop, and we've been talking about the different mic drop moments in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said a bunch of things that were like, boom, that's it. You know, it's like you hear it, and you're like, wow, there's nothing more to say. It's a mic drop. And the first week, we were talking about stress. Last week, uh, Pastor John was talking about the whole idea of truth, and today we're going to talk about purpose, about purpose. We're going to talk about purpose. And the thing that, about purpose is that it's unique to us as humans to seek purpose. Like, you're never going to see a dog. There's actually a movie called The Dog's Purpose. It kind of ruins my point, but... But you'll never see, I just remember that from yesterday. Our kids were watching it. But there's, you'll, you'll never see a dog wondering why he exists. Like, why am I here? Or, or an ant trying to figure out, you know, what's the meaning of life? It's us. It's us. It's unique to us. We're the ones that when we spent the whole day watching TV, we can say, man, that was a waste of time. Or you have a job that you, maybe you don't like, and you're like, man, what's the point of this whole Thing. Or maybe you have, you have an addiction. It's like, man, this is, this is going nowhere. That's unique to human beings, the search for purpose. And I think that the reason why we have this inside of us, this, I, this, this whole thing that pushes us toward trying to find purpose is because God wants to fill that void. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. And one of the problems that we have when we try to seek for purpose is that we look in the wrong places. We look in the wrong places. The, the main place that we look at, at is within ourselves. We try to find purpose within ourselves, and we don't find it. It reminds me of a story of, uh, of Henry Ford. Um, Henry Ford, everyone knows who Henry Ford was. He, he created uh, the different models, and one of the models that he created was the Model T, and I think it was 1908. It was the first car that was uh, mass-produced, and lots of people were able to buy it because it was affordable. And there's a story about a person who had bought the Model T, and he was driving his car down the road, and his car breaks down, and he's like, what just happened? And he gets out, and he probably does what I would do. You know, you open the, the, uh, the, the door, the, what's it called? The door to the, the hood. That was the door to the, to the, the motor door. I don't know. So, so you, I'm translating in my brain. And so you, if you're like me, you open that thing, you look inside, and you don't know what you're looking you're just looking. I'm looking. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm trying to find something to do, but it's like, no. And I, I think that that person might have done that. He's looking at his motor. He doesn't know what to do. And a guy comes by. He walks by, and he's like, what do you, what's going on? He's like, I have car trouble. I need to fix this, this car. And he's like, let me help you. Looks at him kind of weird, like, hmm, I wonder if he could help me. Oh, okay, fine. Try to fix it. He tries to fix it. He moves some cables. Boom, he fixes it. And then they say goodbye to each other, and the guy says, hey, thank you for fixing my car. Uh, nice to meet you. What was, what's your name? And he says, I'm Henry Ford. Nice to meet you. So he, what? Exactly. He knew. He knew what was wrong with the car. He knew the whole car because it was in his brain, and then it came out of his hands, and he created the whole thing. He knew exactly what the car was made out of, every detail. That's why he knew how to fix it like that. So when we talk about purpose and we talk about our purpose in life, we make the mistake of looking within ourselves. We didn't create ourselves, so we don't have the answer of what our purpose is. 
So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at our creator, and he's given a scripture, and we're going to discover what our purpose is through scripture. But before we start, before we start, I just want to make a little parenthesis before we start. Um, when we look at scripture, the purpose is transformation. When we read the Bible, the purpose is transformation. Pastor Rob has said this many times. It's transformation. It's not information. One of the things that we would say in our church in Chile over and over again was this phrase, información sin transformación es una ilusión. Información sin transformación es una ilusión, which means it's perfect in Spanish because it, it rhymes, but in English, it almost rhymes. Information plus transformation, sorry, information without transformation is an illusion. Information without transformation is an illusion. So what I want us to do today is that we will look at, at Scripture and we will have our hearts open to be able to let it transform us. When I look at, at Scripture, this is just a preparation so that our hearts are open when we listen to the mic drop of Jesus. When we look at Scripture, when we read it, this is the way I sort of look at the Bible. It's kind of a weird way to look at it, but like when you go to Ikea, you go to Ikea and you, you see a desk that you like. You look at that desk, man, that's a great desk. I want to buy that desk. And you go, you pay for the desk, and they give you this box, little box. And you take the box home, and you open the box, and it's got an instruction manual inside. Now, there's two types of people. One type of person will take the manual and will throw it away and will say, I got this. And you just start putting the thing together, and it's all wobbly at the end, and there's pieces that are missing or pieces that are left over, and you make a mess out of it. And then there's the other type of person that takes it and just goes A1 and just puts the whole thing together, and it's perfect. When we look at Scripture, we need to understand that we need to look at it as sort of an instruction manual. In the Bible, we will find how to live. And the problem is that many of us will take Scripture and we're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you take Scripture and you throw it out and you go, you know what? I got this. And you start doing life on your own. And you could possibly make a mess out of it. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Scripture and the purpose of going into Scripture is that we will hear the Word and that we will allow it to transform us. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are handing out Bibles. We'll have the scriptures on the screen also. And so deceive, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because I can speak the word, Pastor Rob can speak the word, Pastor John can speak the word, Pastor Kirby can speak the word, and you can, and you can listen to what they're saying, you, you can read scripture, and you can go, oh man, that is so good, and that is so true. But you're deceiving yourself, I'm deceiving myself if I hear it, and even if I agree with it, but I don't let the word transform my life. It's almost like if I would go into my daughter's room, she's nine years old, I would go into my daughter's room and I would say, Amy, you know what, I need you please to uh, pick up your toys. I need you to make your bed, and I need you to do your homework. So I'm going to come back in 30 minutes, and when I come back, I want the floor to be free from toys. I want your bed to be made, and I want you to be doing your homework. I'll be back in 30 minutes. So I'll go, I leave, and I come back in 30 minutes, and she hasn't done anything. It's never happened before, by the way. Just to, It's an illustration. And so what would happen, what would happen if I would walk in there, and I would see this mess, and she didn't care what I told her, and she's like, you know what, Dad? I know I didn't obey you, but I memorized what you said. You said, clean up the floor. You said, make your bed. And you said, do your homework. 
I would be confused as a dad. I'd be like, so you decided to memorize it. That's great. That wasn't the purpose. You see, in life, in our Christian walk, we can sometimes think that Scripture memorization, even though it's a good thing, we think that it's a goal in itself. We can think that listening to the Word and even agreeing with it is a goal in itself. It's not. The purpose is transformation because information without transformation is an illusion. So we're going to talk about purpose today. And we're going to open Scripture, and we're going to discover what God says. And my prayer is that our hearts will be open to be able to find our purpose. Because when we talk about purpose, I could say this. We all die, but not all of us live. I'm not afraid of dying. What I'm afraid of is being on my deathbed and realizing that I never actually lived. And I want to live, my, I want to live a life of purpose. I don't want to live a life that I think is something that the TV is telling me that is a purposeful life. No, I want to go to the creator and I want to discover what he says that my life needs to be to be able to find purpose. And I want to obey that. So let's go into scripture. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Verse 33. They came to Capernaum. They meaning the disciples and Jesus. And this was after they did some healings, after the transfiguration, after Jesus had predicted his death. It says this, they came to Capernaum. Um, when he was in the house, he asked them, what are you arguing, what were you arguing amongst yourselves on the road? So the disciples had been arguing amongst themselves, and he, Jesus was like, what were you guys arguing about? Not that he didn't know. He's like, what were you guys arguing about? Because he wanted to ask them something about what they were doing. He knew. Of course he knew. Verse 34, but they kept quiet, so they were embarrassed because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12, this is a teaching moment, called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Boom, mic drop, right? Then there's another one in Matthew 20, 16, the same idea. This is right after he finished Uh, telling the parable of the workers in the vineyard. He says this right at the end. He says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. James 4.10 says something similar. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Matthew 16.24 says kind of the same idea. We see this over and over in scripture. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So the Bible is full of verses in which Jesus is telling us to deny ourselves, of making yourself less, decreasing. And we don't like that. We don't like, we don't like these things. We don't want to decrease because it, go, it, it, it's, it flies in the face of the American way. The American way says you've got to move up in the world. You've got to walk up the ladder of success. You've got to make more money. You've got to have a better job, more influence, success, bigger house. Hey, you've got to be moving up in the world. If you're not moving up in the world, there's something wrong with you, you know? But it seems that Jesus is saying something different. He's saying deny yourself. He's saying humble yourself. He's saying be a servant. But we don't like it because the American way is all about greatness. Make yourself great in order to be great. So you make yourself great, and of course, this is logical. You make yourself great, that means that you're great. If you lower yourself, that means that you're you're down low. You're nobody. That's, That's our logic. But Jesus is saying something different. 
He's saying that the smaller you make yourself, the greater you actually are. That makes no sense. The smaller you are, the smaller you are. The greater you are, the greater you are. No, he's saying the smaller you are, the more you lower yourself, the higher you are in God's eyes. That's why it says in James 4.10, we just read this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. So the last will be first and the first will be last. You see, our purpose is to make God great. The problem is, you can't make yourself great and God great at the same time. There's a direct proportion between how great God is in your life and how great you are in your life. You can't have both. You can't have make God great and make yourself great. No, no, no. One has to go down. Which, one's gonna, which one is it going to be? That's the question. So our purpose is to make God great. When we make God great and, other, and you lower yourself, other people can see the greatness of God through you and that's what makes you actually great. Okay. You may be saying in your mind, Pastor, that makes sense, but that sounds super boring. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Seriously, I don't want to. Because we assume, we assume that denying ourselves means just giving up on life. We assume that humbling ourselves means having no ambitions whatsoever. We assume that being a servant means making your life suck, having a horrible life. We think that lowering ourselves means that we're going to lose our identity. Because our identity sometimes is directly related to our achievements or the things that we've, these layers that we put all around ourselves, so money, success, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. And we think that if we follow Jesus, we're going to lose our identity. We had a picture that we would show in Chile. It was called El Canutizador, which means the Christianizer. And so this whole idea of there's this metal detector, and the metal detector is called the Christianizer. So it's this whole idea of before you become a Christian, you've got your own identity. So you know who you are. You got you know, your own style. You're doing your thing. You know, and everyone's different. Everyone's you know, doing their own thing. But they walk through this metal detector. It's called the Christianizer. They walk onto the other side. And everyone's the same. Everyone talks the same. Everyone dresses the same. Everyone says the same thing. So sometimes we think that when we decide to follow Jesus and we decide to lower ourselves and actually become followers of Jesus, that that's going to make us lose our identity. But I want, what I want to say today is that when you follow Jesus, you actually find yourself, who you actually are. Because you go to the Creator, He created every cell in your body, and He knows why He created you. So when you begin to follow Him and you get rid of all this other stuff, it's like, wow, this is really who I am. That's what I want to talk to talk about a little bit today. We find our lives when we give it up. It's strange, isn't it? It's strange to think about. It's counterintuitive, but Scripture tells us in Matthew 16, 25, it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So what he's saying is that there's a, there's a discovery that takes place when, we, when our main focus is, is on making God great. We discover something there. When we focus on God and giving Him glory, we find ourselves, we find life that is really life. And the other problem is that sometimes we think that following God and making God great just is going to make us weird. Like we're going to be like these, these weird people. Like just kind of weird. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I know those people. It's like, ah. Oh. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like they're just like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to imitate. I'm not, I mean, if that's who you are, that's great. What I'm saying is we're not going to be all the same. We're going to find ourselves. Does that make sense? And it's actually more natural than we think that it is. We were created to glorify God. What does that mean? All creation glorifies God. God created everything, and the purpose of all creation is to glorify God. Um, Psalm 19.1. We're going to talk a little bit about how creation glorifies God real quickly. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Isaiah 43.20 says, The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Psalm 96 verse 11 says, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Isn't that amazing? He's talking about this whole idea of the entire earth giving glory to God. What does that mean? What does glory mean? The word glory, what does it mean? It means this whole idea of of something that emanates from something else, like the glory of a flower is the fragrance of a flower. The glory of fire could be the, 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 the warmth of the fire. The glory of the ocean is the sound that the ocean makes. That's the glory. So when, when uh, the scriptures tell us that, that the entire universe declares the glory of God is that his creation is made to glorify him. And when we see a bird being a bird... That bird is glorifying God because that bird is being 100% a bird is being who he needs to be or she. Does that make sense? Now, the problem is that we're human, so we've got a choice. When we look back into the Garden of Eden in Genesis, we we discover that Adam and Eve were being 100% human. They were being human. They were, they were loving each other. They were loving God. They weren't abusing the earth. They weren't abusing each other. They were being 100% human. They were living for the glory of God. But then something happens. There's a tree and there's a choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to glorify myself, which puts God, puts God down, or am I going to glorify God, which, which puts myself down? What was their choice? Satan tempted them saying, you will become like God. They're like, oh, I'm going to put myself up. And that put God down. Now you can say, oh, but that was back in the day. That was a long time ago. No, no, no. We were in front of that choice every single day. Are we going to give glory to God? Or are we going to give glory to ourselves? This is so important. Because when we think about this, and we, we make the decisions that we need to make every day when we use our bodies and everything that we have for the glory of God, we understand that we're being the way we need to be. Um, Romans 6.13 puts it this way. I'm talking about this whole choice that we have every day. Romans 6.13 puts it this way. It says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been 
brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what he's saying is that we've got two choices every day. What are we going to do? Are we going to use what we have for righteousness, or are we going to use it for wickedness? What are we going to do with what we have, our time, our resources, our bodies, our talents? Are we going to use them for what they were created for or not? Now, the myth is that living for my own glory will be more fulfilling than living for the glory of God. And that's a lie of the enemy. Have you ever tried to unscrew a screw with a knife? I have. What happens? Break the knife, right? And you do a horrible job. Why? Because that's not what it was created for. So when we use our bodies and we use what we are and what God has given us for the purpose for which it wasn't created... It's awkward. It's weird. We, we, we break ourselves. We, it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Our eyes weren't made to look at porn. Our ears were not made to listen to gossip. Our mouths were not made for lying. We know this. There's something in us that tells us, man, why did I do that again? Why did I have to listen to gossip? Why did I say that? I just messed up. We know this. We weren't created for this. So then we discover that following Christ and lowering ourselves and understanding that we need to follow him is actually much more organic. There's something inside of us that, that confirms in our innermost being that, man, that's really the way we're supposed to live. So the question of living for you or living for God is not just a question of obedience. I'm just going to power through my relationship with God. No, it's actually about living the way your creator thought of when he created you and me. And when we do, we find our purpose. And this is the other cool thing, is we find rest for our souls. Matthew 11 says this, 11.29. It's one of my favorite verses, probably my very favorite, I would say. Take this Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. It's a rest that's more than rest. It's not just take a nap rest. It's an actual deep rest of being where you need to be. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the myth is that following Jesus is just this burdensome thing. No, it's not. When you go to the Greek and, you, and, you, and this whole idea of, of the yoke being light is, is, is a yoke that fits perfectly. It's like custom made for you. It's like, oh, this is the way we're supposed to live. Not that other way. This was all kind of fake. This is really me. And you'll find rest. We get glimpses of this um, in life, right? I, I get them all the time. I'm not saying I live this way. I'm saying I'm trying. We get glimpses of this. When you hold the door for someone, it's like, huh, that was kind of cool. When you say something nice to someone, you're like, huh, that was awesome. When um, something does, does something, someone does something nice for you, it's like, man, that was really cool. And then you want to do it back to them. When you help someone, it's like, it's almost like something in your soul confirms that, man, this is the way we were created to live, and we're kind of messing it up over here. And the result isn't suffering. 
That's the lie of the enemy. It's a life of purpose and fulfillment, and we find rest for our souls. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you that God has an amazing plan for your life. He's going to make you wealthy. He's going to make you famous. He's going to make all of your dreams come true. Nope. Because we know those people. I mean, maybe not, maybe on TV, or maybe you know some people who have all their dreams come true. And you're like, that doesn't mean they're living a life of purpose. Even though when I think about it, I'd like to be a millionaire just to, to confirm if it's actually not fulfilling. But, <laughs> you know, then you can really know. But anyway, it's just kind of a joke. Um, but, but a life of purpose isn't a life of wealth. Isn't a life, it's not a life of fame. We know this. We know this. It's a life of being who you are, 100% human, using your whole body, everything that you have for the purpose for which it was created. Paul says it best. 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31 says, and I love this because it's whatever, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, it's not like I, I'm not going to stand in front of you and preach and say, there's this one thing that God has for you and you got to find that one thing. And if you don't find that one thing that God has for you and only for you, you have wasted your life. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. It says, whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And we face this daily. Are we going to live for our glory or are we going to live for the glory of God? Are we going to lift ourselves up or are we going to lift God up? How you answer your wife. Are you going to lift yourself up or are you going to lift God up? How you manage your finances. Are you going to lift yourself up or are you going to lift God up? Types of conversations that you're going to listen to. Are you going to lift yourself up, God what you look at on the internet, yourself, God, we're faced with this every day. So our purpose is to glorify God in everything that we do. And when we do that, we find ourselves and we discover this is how we're supposed to live. And we find rest for our souls. I'm going to finish with this verse. It's a Jeremiah 17. It's a great verse. It's this whole idea. This is what I think of when I think of a life of purpose. It's this it's like this tree. It's this, it's this like, like tree that has deep roots. It says this, Jeremiah 17. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Verse 8 says, uh, They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's what I think of when I think of a life of purpose. It's not a life of fame and fortune. No, no it's not. It's not. It's, a, it's, it's the result of a life that glorifies God is a healthy life. It's a content life. It's a blessed life. It's a generous life. It's a life of contentment. It's a life that is full of fruit. It's a life of leaves that are green when it's winter and when it's summer, that's a life of purpose. We were created to glorify God, and that's our purpose. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, because you're here with us. You've spoken to us, God. Thank you because I felt like our hearts were open today, and I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that we'll remember that a life of purpose is not a life where all our dreams come true. It's a life where we Whatever we do, we live for your glory. 
I pray that each one of us will be able to find ourselves and find rest for our souls as a result of living for your glory. I pray that when we're faced with this decision every day to glorify you or glorify ourselves, that we will glorify you in our day-to-day life. And that as a result of that, we will discover who we were created to be. I pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not share it with a friend or a family member? West Valley Christian Church is a community of faith, love, and hope. We would love for you to visit us at one of our four worship experiences. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. Yeah.